Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. Well, it feels really good to be back behind the microphone. This is the biggest break I've taken uh, in between post- podcast episodes since I started, but I'm glad to, to get back with you today and uh, talk about John 1.1. So uh, I've been talking the last few episodes about the Jehovah's Witnesses and just some things to um, to have ready if they were to come to your door or if you know a Jehovah's Witness and you've you've had an opportunity to talk with them about a few things. It's important to know their the basics of their doctrine, what they believe, um, and then you know what are the differences in in what the Christian believes and uh, and and why we believe that. And so that's what we're talking about today, John 1, 1. Let me read that verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that's from the ESV translation. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same or very close to the same in pretty much every English Bible translation. Now, in the New World translation, which is the Jehovah's Witness translation of the Bible, John 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, so the the exact same so far, and it's this last phrase. If we can break up the verse into three, uh, three parts A, B, and C, it's this part C that is different. And the Jehovah's Witness Bible says, "And the word was a God, a little g God." Um, so that's a big difference in in Jehovah's Witness theology. They believe that Jesus, who that that's the the word here, is Jesus. They believe that Jesus is the first and greatest of God or Jehovah's creation. So Jehovah is the one true God, and then Jehovah made Jesus. Jehovah created Jesus, and he's the firstborn of, of creation is the way that they interpret that Colossians 1 verse. Um, and so he, he Jehovah created Jesus, and then Jesus created all other things. And so there's a passage in Colossians as well that talks about how Jesus is the creator of all things, um, but they add a little word in there, all other things. So that that other word is not found in any Greek manuscript ever, but they add it into their translation to to try to help their theology make sense there. Um, so in John one one, the the same sort of thing is is happening here. They are uh, interpreting this or, or translating this, and the word was a God. Now, why is there even an argument and which one is correct? And of course, that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, we are going to, this will be a slightly nerdier episode. Um, I, I know, and sometimes I can really dig down into the weeds. And so this is one of those episodes. And honestly, I am leaving out a ton from my original notes because this is one of those things that it, it's a little bit difficult to communicate effectively with just audio. So if I had like a screen that I could draw on and underline, you know, Greek words and draw arrows and, you know, things like that, it, it, it does make this a little bit easier. So hopefully this comes across in a clear way. And also towards the end, I will kind of sum up a few things and give you some basic talking points um, so that maybe you can jot a few notes in the margin of your Bible if this ever comes up and that'll you know, spur your memory and, and you can go right to it. So I'll, I'll try to make this very practical towards the end, but we have to kind of get in the weeds a little bit um, early on so that you understand some, some of the basics. All right. Now, I am not a Greek scholar. 
or by any means. I don't teach any classes on it. I haven't, you know, um, got a degree. I'm not published in that field or anything like that. But I do know how to read and and learn. And so um, about three or four years ago, I purchased a Basics of Biblical Greek packet. So it was a um, textbook, a workbook with lots of uh, sentences to translate and just different activities there with an answer guide so you can check yourself. And then also it came with these video lessons um, from a guy named Bill Mounts, Bill or William Mounts, M-O-U-N-C-E. And so uh, so I walked through that intro to biblical Greek textbook. That would be like a like first semester type of uh, class that you would take in biblical Greek. And so I just kind of did a self-study. Now, if you handed me a Greek New Testament today and said, here, you know, read this and tell me what it says, um, very likely, depending on the verse that you hand me, very likely I would not be able to translate that effectively. Um, so I'm, I'm not like an expert reading Greek, but I do know enough about Greek that I can use the tools that I have available um, on my computer here to look at the different Greek words, and I know how the language works at a very basic level, um, so I'm familiar with some of these translation issues when it comes to the Greek language. So that that's kind of my background there. I just wanted to make you aware of that. All right, you can always email me if you have further questions at bearchristianity at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at the real bear Martin, and also on Twitter at bear for Christos. Now, um, for this next little section, I usually do a bear in the woods, but this is actually my first real commercial in a way. I have com- I've completely sold out. I'm going to be a gazillionaire now um, because I'm an official affiliate sponsor with Logos Bible Software. So uh, you may have heard me mention that in several episodes. That is the computer program that I use for Bible study. And so, you know, as an affiliate sponsor, it's not like they're paying me anything unless um, you buy products. And so I have a link in the episode notes for what they call the fundamental base package. And I think with with my uh, little discount thing, my little discount code, you get it for $49.99. It used to to be $99. Um, But anyway, you get it for $49.99. And then also there's like a, there's a code that you put in, like a discount code that you put in at checkout. um, And you get like five free resources to start. It's It's like a total of 40 resources and things like that. So anyway, here's what makes Lagos Bible Software great. If you're doing like in-depth Bible study, um, if you've ever done it, you know, with with like a study Bible and maybe a few commentaries and a concordance and things like that, you can spend most of your time just flipping pages trying to trying to find stuff. And what saves you a ton of time with this is that you just like hover over a verse with the mouse. Like let's say there's a cross reference, then you just hover over a verse with your mouse and it and it pops up right there on the screen. Um, you can have a concordance open and commentaries, and it'll track along. So like, if you go from John 5 to Matthew 13, the commentary that's right side by side, it will automatically stay on the Bible passage that you're studying. And so just lots of little um, techniques just to kind of make your time a lot more efficient. 
and it tell you know there's information about Greek words and Hebrew words in the Old Testament stuff like that. So it's just a really good tool um, if you're if you you know if you teach like a Sunday school class or things like that, it can be really helpful. So anyway, there it is. Check out the link or or email me if you have trouble with it, um, and I can and help can help you out there. And let me say this also: if that's something you're not really interested in paying for, there's some other like um, online tools that are uh, similar in a way. And so Blue Letter Bible dot com, I guess, and then Bible Hub, Bible H U B, Bible Hub. Uh, I believe is another one that you can use that that kind of provides you with some of the same information where you can look at several different Bible translations and stuff like that. So that's kind of some some free options that are out there as well. Okay, John 1.1, 1, 1, let me read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And again, Jehovah's Witnesses translate it, and the Word was a God. Okay, now here's the issue. The, what Jehovah's Witnesses are saying is that the Greek word for God, which is theos, that word does not have the Greek article. So in English, we have two basic articles. We have a definite article and an indefinite article. So a definite article is the word the in English. So the boy, okay? An indefinite article would be a or the letter a. A boy, okay? So um, it's the boy, a definite boy, or just any boy, a boy, okay? And so that's, in, in English, that's how the article is typically used. Well, Greek has an article as well, and in some ways, there are some similarities there where you would say the boy, okay, in, in Greek, if it, if it had an article there or like the son of god okay so so the if the article's there then sometimes it's translated as a specific son of god okay um as definite but the greek article is different than english it's not just an exact uh it's not used the exact same way in fact it's much more complex in greek in fact, guys will get like their PhD on and write their dissertation on how the Greek article is used. So it is it's much more complex. Um, in Greek, there'll be like phrases like the Paul said to the Peter. Now I'm not quoting an exact Bible verse. I'm just giving you an example of how it's used. If you're if you're literally um, like roughly translating from Greek to English, it would be stuff like that. Like that it's used in places that we would never use an article. And then sometimes there it's talking about a definite, and this was this would be the case in John one one C. Sometimes the article's not there yet. The English translation it's it's it would be a definite noun. Okay, so we're talking about and the word was God, not a God, and the word was God. So sometimes in Greek the article's not there yet. It is the the clear translation into English would be something that's definite. Um, so, so that's the Jehovah's Witness argument that there's no article there, and so therefore it should be translated as a god. So, you know, how should we respond to that? Well, let me first give you the just slowly give you that last phrase in Greek and kind of, and do a very rough translation of it. So, the last phrase of John one one is Kai Theos Ein Ha Lagos. Kaitheos ein halagos, and and roughly what that means in English is an, Kai is and, 
Theos is, is the word for God, so and God, and then Ain is the word was, and God was, and then Halagos is the word, okay? So, and God was the word. So if you've been paying attention, the it's it's like a it's the sentence has been switched. All right. And so and God was the word is is the rough Greek and and the word was God is what we have in English. So why are why do we switch it in English? In English, the word order is extremely important. So here's a very elementary sentence here. Bill hit ball. Bill, because it's first, is the subject. Hit is the verb, and ball is the direct object. Now, if I switch those words around, ball, hit, bill, that has a completely different meaning only because the word order has changed. The spelling, everything's the same with those words. It's just that I've changed the word order, and in English, that's a big deal. In Greek, it is not a big deal because in Greek, the endings of the words change depending on the part of the sentence that they're taking. So if a, if a word is used as the subject of a sentence, it will have a certain ending. If the word is used as a, a, an indirect object uh, or a direct object, it will have different endings for those. If, um, if a word is, is used to talk about um, possession, uh, it will have a, a different ending. So let me give you some examples of of the word for God, which is theos. That word will change depending on what role in the sentence that word is playing. So if it's the typically if it's the subject, it's in the it it's going to be in the nominative case, and that word is theos. Okay. If it's genitive, meaning possessive, then it will change to theou. And that's where we get things like the son of God. In Greek, it would say that the son, the, the Greek word is huios, huios theou, so the son of God. Um, if you if you give glory to God, then that then God is the direct ob, or the, excuse me the indirect object, and so it's theo to God. And then if you were going to uh, if if God is the direct object, then it would change to theon. Um, so theon is used in John one one, and the word was with ton theon. Okay, so so theon there is the word for God, and ton is the article. So the article is with the God word there. All right. So one of the things as a beginner Greek student that you've got to keep in mind is word order in Greek is, it it doesn't matter as far as um, how you translate it. What, what is most important is the endings of those words. And so as you're, as you're looking at the Greek, you're, you just, you know, look at each word uh, in order, and then you you try to make it make sense in English. So in Greek, I may see to God prayed Paul. Okay, and so in English, to make it smooth, I would shift those around in my translation. Paul prayed to God. All right, and so and and, and in Greek, you could you can mix those up any way you want. It would always have the same English meaning. All right, now. So what's happening here is in John 1.1c, and the word was God, It's it, the reason it's switched up is because in Greek language, the, the word order it does not, is not affect the meaning as far as like um, how you would translate it in English. What, what it's used for, word order is used mainly for emphasis of certain words. So, so the word for God is shifted towards the front of the sentence. 
All right? So it's used to emphasize something in, in Greek. And so what we have here is we have two words, theos and logos. Both of those are in the nominative case, that first one I talked about, and that is typically used for the subject of the sentence. So why is logos the subject and not theos, God? Well, logos is the subject because it has the article with it, ha logos. And so in English, we would put ha logos at the beginning, the word, and the word was God. That's why we reverse the order, because logos has the article and and theos does not. Now, why do we translate it as God, like capital G God, and not a God? Because it, it doesn't have the article. So why do we translate it that way? Well, the word order that John used, it follows a, a convention seen in the Greek language. It follows this, um, this rule that is called Colwell's rule. So Colwell is a, a Greek scholar, and he's, he's looking at you know, tons of examples of how this pattern is used in Greek language, not just the Bible, in, in other Greek writings as well. And so he developed this grammatical rule called Colwell's rule. So an example of an English rule um, that, that we would memorize is I before E except after C. You know, okay, so that's, that's like an easy English rule to memorize. Well, Colwell's rule is sort of like a Greek uh, version of that. It, it's, it's a general rule that is used when you're translating from Greek to English. And so let me sum up Colwell's rule here. Um, kind of a, an easy way of saying it is that a definite predicate nominative does not usually have an article if it is before the linking verb. So let me explain that again. A definite predicate nominative does not usually have an article if it is before the linking verb. So the uh, one of the parts that I haven't talked about yet is if you have two words that are in that nominative case ending, so theos is nominative, um, if you have two, logos and theos here, then the one with the article is the subject. That would be the word, is the subject. The other one is called the predicate nominative, and a predicate tells us something about the subject. And so Colwell's rule is saying that in Greek, if the predicate even if it doesn't have the article, and typically it doesn't, um, if it comes before the verb, then it is still translated as being definite. And so, in our in our illustrate or in, for our example here, John one one C, it's still translated as capital G God. It, it's the definite God. It doesn't need the article um, based on Colwell's rule and just how the Greek language is used. We we know that they mean that it's something that's definite, and so that's you know that's the answer. That's why when Greek scholars go, you know look at the Greek manuscripts and they're translating into English, that's why pretty much every English Bible says and the word was God. Okay, so they're following this Colwell's rule. Now Colwell's rule is not like a mic drop end end all debate uh, type of thing, um, and so you know people that disagree with the 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 Christian translation that you know they'll have other arguments that they try to make and stuff like that. But what Colwell's rule does is it it legitimizes the Christian translation of and the word was God. It, it's not that just the Christians are trying to make something up and sort of force our hand into you translating as capital G God. There is a legitimate grammatical rule 
in the Greek language that is is well known, and it, and it it's not just biblical. It's it's all Greek writing that this Cowell's rule is part of, and so you know, so we have a legitimate reason to translate it as capital G God. Now, the this next part I'm going to mention it, it's quite complex, um, and so I'm just going to sum it up. But basically, John could have written that same phrase many different ways. He could have put the article with both theos and logos, but that would have, the way that that would have had to be translated um, would do damage to Trinitarian doctrine. It would have supported more of a modalism type of view of the Trinity. And so you can go back and listen to the Trinity episodes I did. But modalism is basically that there is one God who acts in three different modes. It's kind of like an actor on a stage with three different masks. And sometimes he's wearing his God the Father mask, and then he switches to the God the Son mask, and then he switches again to God the Holy Spirit mask. But it's really just one actor that's just kind of acting like these three um, these three modes, okay? So that's modalism. And so if John would have put the article with both words, then modalism would have been supported. If John would have written theos at the end instead of the beginning of that phrase, then it would have supported more of the Jehovah's Witness interpretation of a God. But because John put theos in front of that linking verb, it, here we have this Colwell's rule, which applies to this phrase. So John, the, the way that John wrote, John 1.1, is extremely precise and, and consistent with the rest of the Bible uh, in, the, in the teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity, okay? And so the, the, the Trinity, I'm not going to go into all of that, but I am a Trinitarian because there's no other way to read the Bible and, and get anything else. You cannot be consistent with what the Bible says about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit without a Trinitarian belief. At some point, the other false beliefs break down. So I'm, um, I'm not a Trinitarian because some church council told me to be. I'm a Trinitarian because that is what the Bible teaches. And so the doctrine of the Trinity is simply trying to describe uh, and, and sort of sum up what the Bible teaches. That doctrine is that God is one being in three persons. And so when you think of being, a good way to think about that is being is what something is. So what am I? I am a human being. Now, person is who who something is, okay? So who am I? I am Barrett Martin. What am I? I'm a human being. Who am I? I'm Barrett Martin. And so the Trinity what is God? There, there is only one being of God who exists in three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's just a, a kind of a quick summary of the Trinity. And so when we look at John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, so the Word is eternal. The be, in the beginning, whenever the beginning started, the, the Word was already there. So you can go back into infinity in the past, and the Word already existed before the beginning began, okay? And so the Word is eternal. That's what we get from this first phrase. And the Word was with God, so that, that talks about a relationship, um, and the Word was in a relationship with God, 
and the Word was God. And so it, it seems like those last two are sort of contradicting each other when you first read it. Um, and the, how can the Word be with God and God at the same time? And what it, so that's where the, the full doc, when we read the full Bible, the doctrine of the Trinity can be seen in that phrase. So, so the word can be with God. And that, if you think about it, that, that could be like God the Father and God the Son. There, there, he, the Son is eternally with God. There, there is a relationship there between the two persons. Um, but at the same time, the Word was fully God. In fact, a lot of time, a lot of the the Greek scholars that I've read on this John one 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 C passage, they talk about how this um, the way that John uses the words this theos. It, it's talking about the quality of the Word. The Word was fully God. Whatever God was, the Word was also. So so the the second phrase part B the word was with God talks about the relationship of the word and God but also the quality of the word is that the the word is fully God. And so that's where we have the trinity where the Father, Son and Holy Spirit all are fully God. So I know that's a little bit of a you know tough thing to to wrap your brain around but that is what the Bible teaches and I've spent the last couple of episodes showing how the, how Jehovah in the Old Testament, uh, or Yahweh, or Lord, it's all the, the same same thing. Um, Jehovah in the Old Testament, Jesus is called Jehovah in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called Jehovah in the New Testament, and then we know God the Father is Jehovah as well. So how do we, you know, when all three of them are God, but there's only one God, how, how do we put all that together? And that's why we have the doctrine of the Trinity, Okay. Okay, so now here's a here's a more practical level. Okay, so again, I recommend that you do not start out with this when you're talking with a Jehovah's Witness. But if it comes up, then here's here's where I would go. Okay, if they start talking about how the the article's not there, it should be a God instead of instead of God. Then a couple of different things. First off, if you look at the very beginning of John one one part A, it in Greek it's in arche ein halagos in beginning was the word okay now the article for rk that is that's the word translated as beginning the that that word does not have the article so why did the jehovah's witnesses translate it as definite in the beginning a specific beginning in the beginning was the word the article's not there so why are they translating it that way if if they're going to say oh if the article's not there it's got to be indefinite it's got to be a god it, it, you know then then you you want to call them to be consistent why are they not translating um the beginning that way okay in in the same way mark 228 i think this is the the most powerful um example uh, to show a jehovah's witness regarding this issue mark 228 uh, Jesus is is talking about you know Jesus is constantly doing things on the Sabbath that the Pharisees and scribes don't like, uh, and Jesus says this in Mark two twenty eight. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, and that that quote right there is from the New World Translation. Okay, now what's important here is in Greek, it is the exact same grammatical structure as John one one c. It's the exact same. So literally in Greek. It says, Lord is Son of Man. Lord is Son of Man. Just like um, in John 1.1, 1, 1, God was the Word. 
And so in English, we reverse that because of where the article is and Colwell's rule, all that stuff, okay? It's the exact same. So here's the thing. In the New World Translation, they don't, they don't translate it as the Son of Man is a Lord. They don't translate it that way. They say the Son of Man is Lord. Well, grammatically, it's the exact same. So why is it not a Lord? Why do they translate it as Lord? And my theory would be that the you know the people who translated this if they knew greek they know that you know colwell's rule all that stuff applies and they know okay obviously this is supposed to be so the son of man is lord and they're not they're they're not thinking about oh we've you know this could possibly contradict the way we translate john 11c and so the in in not being worried about jehovah's witness theology like they are in john 11 they just translate it the way it's supposed to be translated and so they say the Son of Man is Lord, not the Son of Man is a Lord. And so that there's two examples there. The, in the beginning, why did if the article's not there, why do you translate it that way? And then in Mark 2.28, it's the exact same Greek construction, but why is it the Son of Man is Lord and not a Lord? So they're not being consistent in the way that they're translating the Bible, Okay. Um, and then, the, so that those would be the first things that I would bring up. Also, if you just look at the context of John one one, uh, or or John one one through eighteen in general, just that opening prologue of John's gospel, a couple of different things. The very first phrase we've already talked about that the word is eternal. Okay, they believe that the word Jesus was the first and greatest of God's creation. But in John 1 3, it says, All things came into existence through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. That means that out of all, everything that was created, if anything was ever created, Jesus is the one, or the word is the one that created that. And so just looking at that, the word is eternal. The Word could not create Himself and then create other things, and so of all things that have been created, the world, the the Word is not part of that. The Word is eternal, and the Word is Creator of all things. So that right there is inconsistent with their theology as well. At the very end of John's Gospel, after Jesus' resurrection, you know He appears to the disciples, and but Thomas isn't there, and and then so the disciples are telling Thomas, and Thomas says, you know, I won't believe it unless I see it with my own eyes. So John twenty verses twenty seven through twenty eight. Then he said to Thomas, "This is Jesus." Said to Thomas, "Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe." And Thomas answered him, "My Lord and my God." What's interesting here is Thomas's answer, my Lord and my God, in Greek, both those words, Lord and God, have the definite, or excuse me, have the Greek article. In Greek, it's ha korios mu, kai ha theos mu, a rough English translation, the Lord of me and the God of me. And so, the, so and then that's how we get English, my Lord and my God. So Jesus does not rebuke Thomas for proclaiming him as the God and the Lord. He he is the Lord of Thomas and the God of Thomas. Jesus does not rebuke Thomas for that. Jesus blesses those who will believe like Thomas yet not have to see with their physical eyes. 
And so, so Jesus accepts, Jesus is, is called God and worshiped as God, and Jesus accepts that worship. And so that is, that's not consistent with the Jehovah's Witness Jesus. And so that's the big issue when you're talking with Jehovah's Witnesses. They're nice people. They're dedicated people. But they have got the wrong God. They, they, they have the wrong God of the Bible. They have the wrong Jesus. And the wrong Jesus cannot save you. And so unless you proclaim Jesus to be your Lord and your God, you will die in your sins. And so that, that's the, the main issue there. So in the past few two episodes, I've showed you that Jesus is Jehovah, and that's what you have to show the Jehovah's Witness over and over and over again, that Jesus is Jehovah. Jehovah is called the Great I Am, and that, that's from Exodus 3, I Am That I Am. Um, here's, a, here's another little Greek nugget for you. In John 8, 24, Jesus says this, that is why I said to you, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am the one, you will die in your sins. Here's the thing. In Greek, the one is not there. So literally, Jesus says, and if we do a rough translation of English, Jesus says, you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. See, in a, in a lot of English translations, what they'll put, you know, like, I am the one, or I am he. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. But that he, or the one, that is not there in the Greek language. It is, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And this is the same chapter of the Bible, same group of people that Jesus is talking to, where a little bit later, he's going to say, later in John 8, he's going to say, before Abraham was... I am. And that's when they know exactly what Jesus is talking about, and they, they want to kill him. And so so Jesus is Jehovah. And so hopefully this is a, a you know, this episode has given you some more information that you can share with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and, and again, pray that the Holy Spirit would work in their heart and show them the truth from God's word. Now, for our closing verse, could it be anything else, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 